Good morning, everyone. Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm glad that you're here in worship today. and You decided to, um, to spend an hour uh, beginning your week. Uh, for some people, they see Sunday as the weekend, but we are told that uh, Jesus uh, rose from the grave on the first day of the week, and that was Sunday. And so I like to think of it as beginning the week, and that Sabbath is what we do in order to start um, the week ahead and to be rested and ready um, for all that is to come. So we're looking this week again at um, one of our guiding scriptures. If you'll open up your bulletin to the front page with the picture there. You'll notice that on the logo, there is a picture of a person in the shape of a tree bearing fruit with the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove there nearby and firmly planted by the water um, where we are located here in Wrightsville. And there you see the sign, excuse me, the name of the church below that. And then there's the slogan. It says, Deep Roots, Bountiful Fruit, It Happens Here. A vision guided by John 15, 5, that's what we talked about last week, and Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Well, we're going to focus on the Galatians 5 text today, and I really, honestly and earnestly want you to open up your Bible uh, to read along with me, because we're going to come back to this text later on in the sermon, so you're going to want to, you're going to, want to be um, in Galatians for later on. So go ahead and turn with me. It's page 179 in the New Testament section near the back of your Bible. I've got a slightly older version. My, I'm on page 191 if, if you don't happen to have uh, the same. That I, I think everybody should have the same version in the pews, right? 179. I'm going to begin in verse 16 of Galatians chapter 5. Paul writes, live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to prevent you from doing what you need. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I'm warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here we go. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, Lord, we thank you for this day and ask that you might plant a seed of hope within us, that we might bear fruit for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Anybody here grow up on a farm? Okay, several, several. Okay, cool. My grandfather, Bill Snotherly, he grew up on a farm outside Albemarle, North Carolina, which is near the middle of the state. He left the farm to go to college, and then he was a teacher in high school for a few years until uh, World War II broke out and he enlisted in the Navy. But his upbringing on the farm never really left him. 
I was lucky enough to know him for the first 31 years of my life. And in that time, my granddad always had a garden, always. As a child, I thought it was massive. It was a full one acre in size, and he spent his days in retirement from sunup to sundown, except for church on Sundays, tending that garden. String beans, butter beans, tomatoes, squash, okra, and corn. Summertime meant lots of fresh veggies at my house because my grandfather would always drop off the fresh produce before he went home. Now, we're talking about fruit of the Spirit here, and i got to tell you, my granddad never grew a lot of fruit that I recall. Well, technically, tomatoes are a fruit, right? Um, What's the old saying about the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Knowledge is knowing that tomatoes are a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put them in your fruit salad, right? Um, But aside from tomatoes, he didn't grow much fruit. In fact, I didn't know anyone who grew fruit in uh, the middle of North Carolina. Um, I always thought fruit was something that was grown in some exotic place like Hawaii or Central America. Um, But you can actually grow a lot of fruit right here in southeastern North Carolina. Uh, I visited the North Carolina Cooperative Extension website this week to learn about growing fruit around here, and here's what I found out. From easiest to most challenging, according to the website, here are the fruits you can grow in southeast North Carolina. Easiest to most challenging. Blackberries, figs, blueberries, persimmons, muscadine grapes, kiwi fruit, strawberries, pears, plums, Apples, peaches, and nectarines. Do you know you could grow all those fruits around here? I knew about the figs because I've got a fig tree in my backyard. Um, But um, aside from that, I was kind of clueless. Nevertheless, I read this scripture that tells us that as Christians, we're supposed to bear fruit. In fact, it's our guiding scripture on the front of our bulletin. And it's central to our church logo, the fruit of the Spirit. Not blackberries, figs, or grapes, nor apples, peaches, pumpkin pie. Um, Some people appreciate good music. That's good. Um, But instead, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm going to slow down and, and repeat that list, okay? Love, joy... Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If this is the product we're supposed to be growing on behalf of God for the world, how do we do it? How do we grow it? Again, I don't know anything about fruit production, so I had to turn to the Cooperative Extension website, and it says, number one, know what you can grow. You can look this up for yourself on the, on the Ag Extension website. Know what you can grow. Most biblical scholars make a big deal out of reminding us that this list is a list of the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Spirit. It is singular. The point is that these characteristics are all part of one fruit and can be produced by one person if we stay attached to the vine. In case you weren't here last week, that's what we talked about. How Jesus is the vine and we are the branches and that all branches will bear fruit. Now you're caught up, okay? So that took 10 seconds. Those of you who were here last week, it took 20 minutes for me to explain that, right? 
But my agricultural website says you got to know what you can grow. That makes sense. You see, my personal list of what is good fruit and therefore what fruit I expect others to bear may actually be wrong or incomplete. We all have certain things that we're attracted to in others and things that, well, what's the right word here? Tick us off, right? Um, It's all too easy to have a mental list of what we consider fruitful in our eyes and then conclude that if someone else doesn't bear that exact same kind of fruit, then they must not be a very good Christian. But the reality is that most lists that we humans devise, they're too short. They're too selective. They're too narrow. They're too prejudiced. Most of the time, they're not even biblical. God likely has a much more accurate list than we do. But nevertheless, every Christian will bear fruit. Which brings us to the Ag Extension website's point number two. Make sure you have space. In order to grow fruit, make sure you have space. Okay, so I read a little further. It says you need space in order to get enough sun each day. Well, that metaphor is just too easy, right? For us Christians to bear fruit, we need to get plenty of exposure to God's Son, Jesus Christ. And that comes through prayer, through Bible study, through worship, through service even. Remember, um, when you do unto the least of these, Jesus says, you did it unto me. I think making space for the Son means making time. We're so busy. One more thing just seems like one more hassle. But sometime between now and the time you lie down tonight, I hope you will take a moment to think about what you want your priorities to be for you and your family. And then ask yourself, where is Jesus in that plan? Is there some way that you can incorporate Jesus into your daily or weekly routine? Is there some way you can get a little more sunlight each day? He doesn't want to be a burden. I promise. In fact, he says just the opposite. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. I truly believe that exposure to sunlight, that is S-O-N light, will ease your burdens, not make them harder. So make space for the sun in order to grow, in order to bear fruit. Underneath the point about making space on the Extension website, the author states that some fruits and berries require cross-pollination. Now, I thought about working off the word cross here, but I really want us to understand this meaning of cross-pollination. Cross-pollination means that it takes multiple varieties of the plant to grow together in order to bear the best fruit. Well, I take that to mean for us that we can't only hang out with people who are just like us. Cross-pollination actually creates stronger strains, It makes the plants less vulnerable to pests and disease. It can also lead to something that's never been seen before, something that is brand new. In order to produce the best fruit, we're going to have to hang out with other people, whether it be in worship or in class, in service, or even just one-on-one. What the biologist calls cross-pollination, we in the church call koinonia, or church fellowship. Point number three on the website for growing fruit. Understand what you can grow organically. The word organic means natural. 
In farming, it usually means helping the plants to grow without any chemical fertilizer or chemical pesticides, only using natural ingredients, organic, natural. Here's the good news. At least it is for me. I hope it is for you. How much fruit you produce is not entirely up to you. You see, you're not the farmer. You're not even the vine. You are the branches. And yes, it is the job of the branch to produce fruit, but God is the farmer. The fruit will grow organically, naturally, through you. It's called the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of the Doug or the fruit of the Christina or the fruit of the Hope or the fruit of the Ann or the Dan or the Fran or the Stan or the Nan or the Van or the Michael Jordan. (laughs) Remember what I said a minute ago. Every Christian will bear spiritual fruit somewhere, sometime, somehow. Now, there are some trees, plants, and vines who don't bear fruit every year. And there are others who bear far more fruit one year than the one that's planted right next to it. But every Christian will bear fruit. And just because you don't see it doesn't mean that it's not bearing fruit in your neighbor. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. God will produce fruit through anyone who stays attached to the vine that is Jesus Christ. God doesn't ask if we're suitable. God doesn't ask if we have the right training or skills. The only ability God asks about is our availability. What can God do through you? What can God do with your availability? Being guided by the fruit of the Spirit enables us to be part of a paradigm shift in the world by the way we live and by the standards that we set. We are to make the world different by making ourselves different. We're called to alter life's landscape. The very first disciples turned the world upside down so that it would be right side up. Last week I talked about the Quakers or the Society of Friends, the people who call themselves Friends of Jesus. Let me tell you about another group that caught hold of the same vision that the first disciples did back in first century Palestine. This group also began in England and came to America just a couple of generations after the Quakers. This new group, they started out as a movement that was excited to take risks. They did much more than just gather together to ask the Lord's blessing and sing praises to his name, which is a great place to start. But this group, this group was on fire, I tell you. They built hospitals and schools and orphanages and universities. They organized millions of people to move and work among the poor and the sick. They operated local missions. They started churches overseas. They launched the very first war on poverty. They used every opportunity to be outspoken on civil liberties and human justice. Now, this group, they did end up dividing over slavery back in the early 1800s, but they continued to grow, this time just in separate groups. They were constantly reforming society and seeking to transform the world for the sake of Jesus Christ. In fact, people flocked to be a part of this group. In 1776, when America was fighting for its independence, one out of every 40 Christians in America was a part of this group. But 75 years later, within the course of one lifetime, one in three Christians were a part of this group called Methodists. 
one out of three in America. We've had a very fruitful history. And I believe God wants to continue bearing fruit through these branches for many, many years to come. The fruit of the Spirit enables us to live out our lives in such a way that we can transform the world around us. But instead of talking about a group of people, let me give you an example of just one and the difference that she made in the lives of others. Her name was Catherine Laws, L-A-W-E-S. She was the wife of Lewis Laws, who in 1921 became the chief warden at Sing Sing Prison up on the Hudson River in New York. Now, Sing Sing was a place that was notorious. It was known for getting the worst criminals and was the toughest penitentiary, not just in the country, but some people say in all the world. Right after Lewis and Catherine settled in, Catherine did something that no woman would dare do at that time. She attended a prison basketball game. And not only that, she took her three kids with her, and they sat in the stands, and they watched the prisoners play basketball. That was just the beginning, though, of how Catherine would eventually transform the world around her. She would routinely go visit with individual inmates. One in particular was a murderer, and he was also blind. Catherine learned Braille in order to teach him how to read. She also befriended a deaf prisoner. She took up American Sign Language in order to teach him how to communicate with other people. Unfortunately, tragedy hit, and in 1937, Catherine was killed in an automobile accident. News of her death spread quickly throughout the prison. On the day of her burial, prisoners stood at the gate as the funeral procession came by and they saw her and wept as her hearse went down the road about three-quarters of a mile to a chapel where the service was going to be held. The prisoners were bold enough to ask the new warden if maybe they could attend the service, and surprisingly, the warden agreed to let them go. The main gate was opened wide, and the prisoners walked the three-quarters of a mile down to Catherine's service. And immediately following the service, each and every one of the prisoners returned to the prison without an armed guard. Not one of them was missing. See, Catherine Laws had made an impact on them. She lived by an entirely different value system from most of the people of her time. She was clearly a light in the world's darkness, and it rubbed off on others. For a few years, Catherine Laws helped transform the world of a dreaded prison and made it a little bit better place to live. And not only that, she made the people there better by taking the time to get to know them and get involved in their lives. That's what bearing fruit for God does. Being a Christian means allowing yourself to be claimed by God, to be shaped and formed by Christ, to be made in his image, to become a brand new person and to live in the world differently than you did before. The fruit of the Spirit is a physical manifestation of a Christian's transformed life. Such a life reminds us that we were not put on this earth merely to make a difference in the world, which is good, but instead, we were put on this world, excuse me, put on this earth to make the world different, to make it right side up. Paul makes it pretty clear. He says, the works of the flesh are obvious. Now, some of them I don't have to deal with a whole lot, like sorcery, 
But uh, I see a lot of these. Listen to the list again. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Can you imagine living in a world like that? As a church, long before I got here, we decided to make this verse our guiding scripture. So open it up with me. Okay, I told you to keep a finger there. To Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Again, it's on page 179 in your Bible, in the New Testament section in the back. I want us to read it out loud together, okay? All right, Galatians 5, 22 through 20. Let me find it myself. Here we go. Beginning in verse 22. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. You know the difference between a fruit and a vegetable? It has to do with the reproduction. Fruit have seeds in the part that you eat. Vegetables don't. I pray that as we go through this week that we'll be able to be open to the Spirit bearing fruit in us. And that maybe, just maybe, that that fruit might also plant a seed in someone else so that they too will know of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pray with me. Most holy and gracious God, we are honored that you would choose to bear fruit through us. Lord, make us humble and ready and available. Help us to be the people that you want us to be. Help us to know what kind of fruit we're supposed to grow. To make space for the Son that is Jesus Christ in our life. And to help us to relax and just let it come naturally through you. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.